Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Ed News Monthly Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by the whole team, Lucas and Ken. How are you guys doing? Good. Mm, yeah, pretty good. Enjoying watching the ice fall down outside. So, yeah. Not, nice Not great, Bob. I mean, I love the winter weather. I don't know what y'all are complaining about. <laughs> uh, it's okay in... in Low low doses. Nah, give me those three feet. Give me three feet of snow. Do it. Nature right, well, chaos. That's true. that's true. Either I want, I don't like none of the middle ground. Either let it be a light snowfall and it goes away pretty quickly, or let it be a, a blizzard catastrophe. Yep, yep, I agree. <laughs> All right. Um. So let's start promote extend trade, and this one's gonna kind of be a little. It's going to touch a nerve, I think. Uh-oh. <laughs> but I was looking at stuff that happened on today's date. And in 1859, John Brown was hanged for his raid on the armory in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. More more history references. I like it. Yes, we're a very educational podcast. Um, and Harpers Ferry is like one of my favorite places. Have you ever, have you either guys ever been there before? No, I haven't. No. I know. It, there's like nothing there, but it's just one of those places that like when you go there, 
it's like just so peaceful and serene and there's like nothing no worries while you're there one of those kinds of places so like literally the opposite of living in the city yes exactly <laughs> all right but um you know so west virginia they have two baseball teams there's the short a affiliate black bears <laughs> Sorry. and then there's the uh low a west virginia power and that's uh the black bears are pittsburgh pirates affiliate and the power are mariners affiliate and the black bears didn't exactly have anyone interesting on their team but the power did so, oh no <laughs> according to uh mlb's list of the mariners top prospects they have the the West Virginia Power have the Mariners one, two, and three prospects <laughs> on their team this year. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if you happen to have a minor league team uh, of those three prospects, who would you extend? Who would you promote? And who would you trade? There is right-handed pitcher Logan Gilbert. There's outfielder Julio Rodriguez. And there's uh, one other outfielder. <laughs> Got like a funny, funny last name. Yeah, being to the K. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. Evan White is playing the outfield these days. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so of of Julio Rodriguez, Logan Gilbert, and and Jared Kelenic, who would you uh, promote, extend, or trade? The trade if you is were just. Kind of starting with a, a blank system here. The trade is very easy. You trade Gilbert. Uh, yeah, he's a pitcher. He um, has relief as, risk. Doesn't uh, have as much upside as the other two anyway. He's got a good fastball. I mean, I think that there is some upside there. Um, but yeah, he, I don't he's know very how likely Gromish. Exactly. Uh, I don't know how likely he is to to reach that yeah, upside. Most people who are DeGromish in the minor leagues become, okay. uh, Paul, they become Paul Seawald instead. <laughs> you know, like, that's the more common DeGrom outcome, if we're being honest. Yeah, it uh, is the truth. Uh, the pitcher and then the Julio other two versus are, Kellenic, yeah. that's tough. Is actually an interesting one, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think BP put them both as, uh, roll sevens. I mean, realistically, you're flipping a coin. I'm tempted to say that Julio probably has a higher ceiling I think in so terms too. of power output. Um, I'm not sure what they've said about his defense. Is is he a, a shorter stick and center guy? Like, Kalanick's a pretty safe bet to stick and center, I think. Uh, I don't know what they've said about Julio, though. I think Kalanick is the higher, higher defense. slightly higher floor overall package. Whereas Rodriguez possibly has the higher ceiling if realized, but I mean, Rodriguez, like you said it's a, it's a toss up. Rodriguez is like, even if he can hack at it, like he's either like a monster center fielder or an above average defender in a corner who's also a monster at the plate uh, and can like hack it in center in his t- early twenties or whatever. I think I think you you. Extend Julio and then uh, promote Kalanick. I'm going to do the opposite. I think. I think offensively they're comparable. Mm -hmm. Um, I I like betting on the hit tool here instead of the power. Mm -hmm. Although I guess you're talking about maybe half a grade, if that. Yeah. And uh, I'll take the guy who sticks up the middle. 
Well, totally, totally valid. Yep. Again, I don't think this, there's no right answer here. No. Uh, Especially without they're any both of us, very good. <laughs> without any of us being professional scouts and none of us really having in-person looks or anything. So, like. Yeah, look. I know Jared raved about him. Um, and Kalanick or up, Julio? Kalanick. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think he saw both of them at the same. I could be wrong though. Mm. Uh, his write-up was was glowing of Kilnick. Yeah, I, I remember the write-up, but I, I mean, I've seen that kind of level of write-up about Rodriguez too. So like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, I'm gonna trade Kalanick because I'm a sucker for pain. You five, you monster. <laughs> Did you come up with this whole one just for like that line? <laughs> No, no, it just okay. I, basically, how I do it, I'll just type in the day on Wikipedia, and I'll just go see all the interesting things that you know have happened on this specific day. And then I saw this about West Virginia, and I was just thinking, like, hmm, how is baseball relevant to West Virginia in any way, shape, or form? A lot of times, it's just who was born in West Virginia or whatever. But there was so, nobody... so making making a Kelnick trade joke was just a happy accident. <laughs> yeah, no, it just kind of came up. And it just happened to be that, Don't make you mistakes. know, it just happened to be that the West Virginia power had a really good team this year. Yeah, they, they really did. I was talking to John Troopin recently about that, um, that they had literally everybody interesting for mm-hmm. at some point in time. And also at White, did uh, Dunn was there, right? Um, Evan White wasn't there. He uh, wasn't? Okay, no, yeah, I'm wrong. Neither no, was I, Dunn. They both uh, went yeah, straight to advance. Really? I thought they said Dunn. Okay, okay, my mistake then. I thought Dunn was down there for like a week. But yeah, that's a good team in a good system. Yep. Who else do they even have in that system at this point? I'm trying to, uh, did, uh, Kyle Lewis, but he was probably in the higher minors. Uh, is there anyone else? uh, Not from the West Virginia Power. I think that was mostly just Kelnick and and Rodriguez and Gilbert for a hot second. Um, but they also have, um, I like George Kirby a little bit out of the draft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think he ends up one of the better, you know, he was not necessarily high ceiling, low ceiling college guys. I think he ends yep. up being like the best version of that from this past and draft. I know the Mets were getting buzz on him and I did not really want that, but no. Yeah, no, I, I generally want to be a little gun shy going forward on, you know, college pitchers who don't necessarily have much upside, but. As far as that profile goes, he's probably my bet for the good one. That is about everyone interesting, so yeah. Unless you really like Sheffield still, but meh. (laughs) He wasn't too exciting to begin with. No, he wasn't. He was, but he wasn't. All right, um, well, as you can clearly see, the Mariners have a stacked farm system. Whereas the Mets, uh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's polite, a polite way of putting it. Right. Um, that's not to say though that there's no talent in the system. Uh, the last couple of weeks, obviously, we've been kind of reviewing every stop along the way. Syracuse, Binghamton, St. Lucie, Columbia, Brooklyn, Kingsport. And we haven't really gone over uh, the GCL Mets or the DSL Mets. I am not a fan of looking at, at those three teams. There's two teams in the DSL and then there's the GCL team. 
I'm not a fan of analyzing, you know, their seasons as teams because there's just a lot of. Steve, mm. Steve, are you telling me that DSL stats aren't particularly meaningful? I, I'm shocked by this. Yeah, there you go. I think you can remove particularly from that. <laughs> <laughs> telling me a bunch of random kids of varying skill levels playing on uh, poorly maintained fields. Isn't and... it? It's it's also that they they basically play year round, but they only keep yeah statistics for like uh-huh. a two month window. This is the season. It's the only one that counts. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's no meaningful difference really in between a GS, GCL and, you know, extended spring training in May, let's say. It's like a huge variance in the talent level. It's, it's, yeah, not, not pretty. It, it's partially in, instructional, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that the upper levels aren't. So. But, you know, my, What's a good word of putting it? Not disdain. That's a little too strong. But my preference for really not putting too much of a, of a spotlight on how those teams did doesn't mean that there aren't talented guys on those teams. So this week, we're just going to go over uh, a bunch of players that are on the DSL teams or on the GCL teams this year. And there are quite a few... You know, interesting names. Some of them are going to appear on our forthcoming 2020 top prospect list. Others are going to be on our list of, you know, names to be aware of, other names of note, whatever you want to call it, after we publish our list. And other guys are just guys that, you know, aren't exactly there yet, but they might be in a year or two, three, whatever. So, um, obviously, there are a combination of ways to, uh, excuse me, there's a, there's a bunch of different ways that a player ends up on the GCL Mets or the DSL Mets, either be it by draft or by international free agency. So, just break it down by draft and international free agency. And we'll go over some of the guys that have been drafted in the last year, two, or three, who are, have not made it up to Kingsport yet. So, we'll just go in alphabetical order here. And the first guy we'll talk about is Jace Beck, who was drafted this season. Um, his father, he was a receiver at Oklahoma State, Lynn Beck. Um, Jace didn't play football like his dad. He went into baseball. And he put up some good numbers at Tuttle High School. And um, he transferred, going from Tuttle to Blanchard, and he continued uh, his dominance on the mound there. And in his senior year, he went a perfect 13-0 and with a 0.99 ERA in 70.2 innings, striking out 134 guys. And the Mets drafted him in the 22nd round of the draft this year. And he had a commitment to a community college, local community college. He was given a $125,000 bonus, and he went with the Mets. And he appeared in six games this year for the GCO Mets. And he posted a 3.38 ERA in eight innings, allowing seven hits, walking one, and striking out ten. 
Um, the biggest, most notable thing about Beck is that he's six foot nine, which is really, really tall. Yeah. It's a nice height, you know? His, uh, fastball does not reflect his height. It only sits, you know, high 80s, low 90s, and tops out about 92. But he is only 19. You know, he just turned, he was 18, he just turned 19 at the end of the year. So, still young, even though he's extremely tall. And really, the best thing about that, I guess, is the fact that even though he is tall, he really has not had command problems either in high school as an amateur or in his brief time as a professional. Because a lot of times, taller guys, you know, they have problems repeating their deliveries because there's just a lot of moving parts. But Beck hasn't really had this problem. And that's a good thing. And, uh, you know... Them probably, you know, at, at six foot nine, he's probably not going to be growing and adding much on his fastball. So hopefully, he's going to be able to refine his secondary stuff a little bit. He throws a, a low seventies curve and then a mid seventies changeup. So he's an exciting guy for me. I think. I wonder. I wonder if there's some mechanical tweaks the Mets going to get him to do, or just better strength training. Um, because even if he, his control, even if he repeats decently well and his control is, is okay, I'm sure there are, uh, inefficiencies in his delivery with a frame that big at this age. Um, so I, I wouldn't, it doesn't seem impossible for him to add some, some additional velocity. No, I don't think that, I don't think that it's, it's crazy to say that he can go from topping out at 92 or so to probably sitting about 92. I don't think that he's going to be going from... Yeah, you typically see that with guys when they, um, finish their draft year and then move towards being a professional for like the first time is that they settle in a little closer to the top of their velo band and you get less variance. And he he has... Go ahead, sorry. So, uh, so that he also has, since he's so tall, he has that Chris Young thing going on where mm-hmm. just the pitch appears faster than it actually is to hitters because he has more uh, wingspan or whatever you want to call it. Does he get good extension towards the, I haven't seen any videos of him pitching. Uh, I mean, that's something DeGrom does extraordinarily well is, is extend towards home plate. So and It's a physical advantage that he has that other guys don't, so I would assume that the coaches will work with him to make sure that he maximizes that advantage. I feel like he also went uh he was he was a draft pick this year, right? So I feel yes, like yes. I feel like he went a little under the radar with all the hype around, oh we landed Allen. It's a nice he's not like a nice uh post round ten high school pitcher pickup here. Um Yeah, he's he's in the spot where normally they would pick like, you know, the Clevelands, the Planks, the uh Yeah. Yeah, Schneiders, you try to take like five Hutchinson. or six in every draft. Mm-hmm. Now I have a I have a bit of a theory on on this kind of player, and you guys can can disagree or just tell me I'm an idiot, which is perfectly uh, likely. Um, I feel like with the with like the high upside pitching guys like the Allens of the world, I want someone who's maybe striking people out or has that level of upside. But with these like lower tier lottery guys. Uh, the polish aspect seems a little bit more appealing, if that makes sense. Like if you're if you're gonna gamble, like if you if you're making a high end gamble, go for the pure upside. If you're making a, a lower end gamble, like a just spending hundred twenty five thousand dollars on a 
late round high school pick, then then the appeal of the decent control, not a blazing fastball, but a good frame, good uh, good mechanics, like that that's interesting to me as more of a, a polished piece. Yeah, I mean that's what differentiates a guy going, you know, in the in the what was he? Twenty second round this year, as opposed to let's say, you know, the tenth or the or the third or something like that. You know, he's not polishing all aspects of the game, unlike a, unlike an Allen or, you know, whomever, a high school pitcher that is getting drafted way earlier. And yeah, you definitely want to see it's like anything. When when you have a guy this raw, you're betting more on a particular tool or so than just the overall package. And you you assume that you know you can teach the rest and just build off of that one tool that he that the player has. In this case, it's size, you know, an okay fastball, okay command of of everything, and you just hope that everything else comes later. Another guy uh, that's built in a similar mold to Beck. Uh, is Saul Gonzalez. He was born in Puerto Rico and he moved to the U.S. in his high school days. He attended uh, Monteverde Academy down in Florida. And he was a two-way player at first, but the coaches there saw that he really was a lot better as a pitcher than as a position player, so they focused all of his training on pitching. And he basically went from having a fastball that hovered around 90 as a two-way player when he was a junior, in his junior season, to having focused completely as a, as a pitcher and having a mid-90s fastball as a senior. And in his last year there at Monteverde Academy, he went 8-0, and he posted a 1-5-0 ERA in 42 innings allowing 18 hits, walking 16, and striking out 83. And the Mets selected him in the 23rd round of the 2018 draft. And he had a commitment to Alabama State, but he forewent it, and he signed with the Mets for a bonus of $175,000, which is the second most that any player got that round. And he appeared in three games that year. He posted, uh, well, three games and he, and 2.1 innings. So the numbers aren't really important because that's such a small sample size. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he did not play in any games this year because he was injured. But like Beck, he's a real tall kid. He's six foot seven. And he has a little bit more velocity than, uh, Beck does. His fastball, you know, tops out about 94. Uh, he throws him a, a, a slingy low court, low three quarters delivery. <clears throat> so he has crossfire. He has a little bit of, um, extra life on, on the fastball because of that. But unlike Beck, he doesn't have, uh, really any secondaries that are particularly developed. He has kind of like a sweepy, slurvy, slider curveball thing. Um, but that's about it. And a crude changeup that, you know, a lot of kind of high school, uh, pitchers mix in occasionally that's really not that great. And it's more just kind of a slow fastball than anything. But he's another guy, you know, similar to Beck. There's a standout, you know, tool in the fastball and you just kind of want to see, you know, a more complete pitcher built around that. 
his just his mechanics look pretty relievery to me. Just watching, just especially with that arm slot, I feel like a, as he moves up, lefties are just gonna blast him. Yeah, it's very. He's a, he exposes himself a lot, and, and the ball. I also feel like this dude's got got legs for days and doesn't use them a ton. That's no, tough it's, from the angle I've seen. It's kind of like a, a shot put. Yeah, it's reminiscent of Molina in a way. Oh, it's not, not as that, bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> not that bad, but he looks a little bit like um, Otania's look this year. A little bit, yeah. Molina, uh, Molina would like actively use his legs against himself. He would right, stop he liked, himself on his front leg. Like, what, what are you doing? Backwards. <laughs> I mean, this dude's got some serious legs, though. Maybe you could tweak his mechanics a little bit here and 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 get him to to use those a bit more, drive a little bit more. Um, feels like something you should be able to do with a a, a developmental guy. Steve, what was his injury? Don't know. I was not able to track that down. It wasn't. It wasn't Tommy John or anything like that. So he he should be pitching uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, this guy's a reliever. One hundred percent. But that's a great poll. Where in yep. the draft was he taken? Twenty third and twenty uh, third round of the draft. That, that's a pretty good poll. So. Yeah, I mean, in the twenty third round, when you're when you're able to select, you know, prep kids that are touching, you know. Mid nineties. That's that works. All right, uh, another guy here is Zach Hammer. Eighty grade name. Yep, of course. He's from uh, North Carolina, and at Alexander Central High School, he had a pretty good record: two seventy five ERA, with sixty seven strikeouts over the course of the season. And the Mets selected him in the twenty first round. <laughs> of the 2018 draft. So that's right before they uh, selected Gonzalez, who was 23rd round. And he signed for $285,000, which is basically more than double any other player that was selected in that round that year. And he was still young. He was still 17 years old when he was assigned to the GCL Mets. He appeared for three games for them. And then he returned to GCL this season, and in 31 innings, he posted a 290 ERA with 25 hits, 18 walks, and 27 strikeouts. Obviously, that's a lot of walks, 18. 27 strikeouts, though, it's pretty good. It's about uh, almost, uh, you know, 9, uh, K per 9. And he's 6'2", 165 pounds, so there's still a lot of projection left. And he's going to need it because his fastball sits about, you know, high 80s to the 90s, like 89 to 92 or so. So he could use a little bit of velocity. And he uh, has some pretty rough mechanics. Um, he just kind of is inconsistent when he releases the ball. So, I mean, that's something that could be worked on because the delivery is not nothing too crazy. It's pretty simple. And, of course, true to his name, uh, he complements his fastball with a power curveball. It would have been so disappointing if he didn't, if he, like, threw a slider inside of the curveball. I know. Like, I mean, if, I, I would hope that his coaches are specifically like, listen, kid, you need you, to do this. Your name is Hammer. Yep, <laughs> you, you, you're, you're, you're throwing a curveball. <laughs> <laughs> 
But again, it's, you know, same thing like these other two guys is, you know, there are flaws, sure, but there is, you know, um, you know, stuff that could be worked and polished on and there's potential there. It's, what's the term? Uh, um, tabula rasa, you know, you, it's a blank slate and you just can kind of work with what you have and mold a good picture. And there are definitely things that you, would like to see in a picture in Hammer's profile. I mean, it's always good to have as many of these guys in the system as possible. Most of them turn, in, turn into Plank or, or uh, insert previous unsuccessful prep pitcher here, but mm-hmm. sometimes you get something out of it. All right, let's take a quick break here, and then we get back. We'll profile a few more... Um, Drafties from the last couple of years. So we will be right back after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to From Complex to Queens. I'm Steve Saipa. I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. And we're just going to go over a bunch of guys in the DSL and GCL. Um, we just went over a few guys that were drafted in the rule two draft. Um, is it two? I forget. Four, I have no I idea. Four. Rule four. Thank you. What are rules one through three? That's a good question. I can tell you what five is. No, thanks. Yes, thanks. <laughs> but um, this next guy is a guy that I am particularly excited about. Uh, Blaine McIntosh. He was drafted in the 13th round of this year's draft. Um, his father was a basketball player. Um, and, you know, he, Blaine followed in his footsteps, but as a bas- as a baseball player rather than a basketball player. And he had a commitment to Vanderbilt that the Mets were actually able to buy him out of, which is that was surprising. surprising. Yeah. yeah. I think that Allen's being able to sign was probably – was the big story, the biggest story, obviously, because of his upside. But the Mets getting McIntosh and buying him out of the Vanderbilt commitment is an unsung uh, surprise of this this year's draft. It's like they structured their whole strategy around getting Allen. It's like, okay, you got him. And then and McIntosh just felt like a backup plan. So getting them both was, was kind of nice. I don't think that, you know, McIntosh has that kind of upside. Oh, of course not. <laughs> but – and I think part of, you know, um, 
part of the Mets being able to nab McIntosh is that the scholarship that he did get to Vanderbilt probably did not cover the whole his whole ride. Um, you know, whereas the hundred twenty five thousand dollars signing bonus that'll that'll last a bit. But the Mets got him and he appeared in twenty four games this year for the GCL Mets. And he hit 228, 311, 228 with 11 walks and 22 strikeouts in 24 games. And obviously, you know, he's still very young, so there's a lot to work on here. But I like his, I like his swing. It's a very smooth, level left-handed swing. Right now, you know, it's a kind of spray line drives kind of swing. And, Maybe in the future he'll add a little bit of power, but his main thing, his main tool right now is his speed. He's an average to above average runner. Um, he has a good um, plan in the outfield. You know, he has a lot of range. Um, Still's working on his positioning. He has good instincts, good first step, and I like him as a as a center fielder. Mm-hmm. I mean, it I also... Just, go ahead. I just hope that he he doesn't develop on the kind of Champ Stewart plan where, you know, the speed is there, but, you know, and, and the defense is there, but nothing else really ever... Ho- hopefully blossoms. he can hit. Could <laughs> yeah. hit water if he fell out of a boat. <laughs> I mean, in all likelihood, he loses some speed as he gets older. Probably winds up as as a as a tweener type, like without enough power, and if, if unless the speed holds, perhaps not enough for center field. But that's still a good outcome. And maybe he just turns into a speedy slap hitter who plays good defense and is like a borderline starter or good defensive fourth outfielder. Yeah, I mean that's still a good outcome. That's Absolutely. still a useful useful Absolutely. player. That's the kind of that's the kind of player you hope your system produces, so you don't have to pay and you could pay them the minimum and not have to pay them ten million dollars when you don't have any outfield depth. <laughs> that would be a useful thing to have. Yeah. If his career does pan out, I feel like um, you know Kirk knew in high place football. I believe that if his Christ. if if McIntosh's career pans out. His sister was on American Idol. Will be the new Kirk plays football. Kirk, Kirk was a fullback, you know, it was a real, real important part of his career or something. Whatever. <laughs> All right, another guy that I am uh, high on is Franklin Power, who was drafted in the eleventh round of the twenty eighteen draft. Um, born in the Dominican Republic, and then he moved to Long Island in his uh, high school days. And, uh, you know, not being particularly fluent in English kind of made high school life difficult, but, um, he kind of put all that aside and became a leader on the diamond because of just, you know, putting in the work and everything like that. And he had a commitment to San Jacinto Community College before he went it when the Mets gave him a $150,000 signing bonus. And best of all, of course, is the fact that he's a Mets fan uh, growing up. Well, not growing up, but having, you know, gone to school in Long Island. 
So after the Mets uh, signed him, they sent him to the GCL where he pitched 10 innings and he had a 0.90 ERA with five hits, 11 walks, and 10 strikeouts. And then he returned to the GCL this year and he spent the entire season there and he pitched 21 innings. And this year he put up a 2.57 ERA with 10 hits, 16 walks, and 29 strikeouts. And uh, Parra is a left-hander, so that's always good. Fastball sits high 80s to low 90s, about 88 to 93 or so. And then he has a curveball slider changeup. He's a bit more developed than some of the other pitchers that we were talking about here. They all kind of have uh, glimpses of being decent pitches, but, you know, he, he's still kind of working on them, developing them into distinct pitches because the curveball and slider kind of bleed into each other a lot. And he's still working on his command, but there's not uh, there's a lot to like about him. You know, left-hander with that kind of velocity, it's, you know, good velocity for left-hander. Um, the secondary is always good to see. I wonder, I wonder what's better. It, it, and I was not a high school baseball player, so I don't know what they actually go through. But I wonder if for some of these young guys, experimenting with lots of secondaries is good because you kind of learn to think about how you can manipulate the ball or whatnot, or if it's just better to find one breaking ball that works for you and and focus on that entirely. I don't know. It's just a, uh, probably some pros and cons to each side there, but it's interesting that he's. It at least experimented with so many uh, uh, secondary offerings. So I, I know that they, um, all of the, you know, like driveline pitching Twitter, you know, that group talks about how secondaries should come along later and that you should just focus on throwing as hard as you can for a while. I don't, uh, I don't disagree with that idea either. Like that's particularly a... because um, when you're trying to learn a change up, supposedly like naturally from how your like brain works you know you start to compensate and not you know throw as max effort as uh-huh. you do just on like a subconscious level uh-huh. so i could I buy know, into but, that but i could also see where the the manipulation of the ball and you know how do you develop feel if not you know playing around with different ways of making the ball move you know if nothing else it demonstrates like some level of of both curiosity and work ethic to me, yeah. I think. Like, you're, you're both interested enough and have put enough time in that you're like, okay, if I do this to the ball, it does this, and if I do this, it, it does this instead, and, and you've practiced it enough that you're okay messing with them in different spots, so, I, mean, I, I don't know, I'm sure there's, um, it might, it's probably a player specific issue. Um, and you hear the term like pitching IQ a lot, and I think that you know something like that, messing around with grips, seeing what you have that you know works for you, definitely falls into that category. And that that is it's an important you know aspect of pitching because you know if you know like you know sometimes if you do this to the ball, whatever you can make a cut a little bit more, or you can give a little bit more sink or a little bit more run. And you know there are days when you just don't have your stuff, and that might come in handy. Yep. <clears throat> I mean, I think at the we same all time, though, those. at the same time, it's like, you know, these are guys that are very young, though. So I would think that that's kind of not more of a veteran thing to, to know. But, you know, when you're still, you know, 17, 18 year old kid, you're not really thinking of, you know, 
uh, on the days when I don't have my fastball command, I need to know how to do this. So, right. you know. Well, I do wonder if the increased amount of literature, both due to the driveline guys and, and without starting a referendum on Trevor Bauer's stuff, but, but lots of his communications with the public or like Eno's articles where he talks about, uh, he had a really good article a couple months ago about how, how Scherzer like diversified his slider into three separate pitches almost that he uses in different ways, right? And I don't know that that sort of writing, it was, as prevalent 10 or even five years ago. So maybe some of these newer guys are coming up having read some of this stuff and, and thinking about it a little bit, which is interesting to me, at least I'm always interested in how like the, the different, different developmental paths and what these guys are thinking about as they're, as they're trying to improve. I mean, I would hope so because I, I am a proponent in the, in those kinds of things and it, it doesn't hurt the player, you know, it only, it only makes them better. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a yeah, sucker. No, I'm a sucker for those stories. You know, mm-hmm. like um, my favorite is like Drew Pomeran- Pomeranz has a curveball grip that like only his dad. <laughs> yeah, has yeah. Ever the, used the, the unique grips are always the coolest thing, and it's, like, it, it's turned it. It's like weird. He like flicks the ball. It's like a knuckle curve grip, but he flicks out with his finger with mm-hmm. the finger that's turned into the ball. Yeah, and that's uh. You know, one of the better curveballs in baseball. Yep. Dude, dude just straight clowned people for 26 innings in relief last year with it. Yeah. <laughs> we've gone, we've gone way off topic here. Sorry. Uh, well, not really, because hopefully, uh, this next guy will be clowning players for years to come mm-hmm. as, as quite possibly a reliever. And that is Josh Wolf, who the Mets signed in, uh, well, excuse me, who the Mets drafted second round this year. And then signed for $2.15 million. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about Wolf, so I won't get into him in too much detail here, but, uh, what did he do this year? He was assigned to the GCL Mets and he pitched a total of eight innings, allowing nine hits, walking one and striking out 12 with a 338 ERA. Again, numbers don't really matter much here as much as just the, uh, Overall package, but obviously being drafted as a as a prep kid in the second round and then being given uh, a, a signing bonus, almost a million dollars over slot value, you're good. And you know, Wolf is pretty good. I I, I have a dumb question, and again, feel free to ridicule me. Like I watch the videos of Wolf throwing, read his numbers, read the reports. What makes him two million dollars better than the three other prep arms we just talked about, or two million, however much more? Uh, so probably how frequently he's able to sit, you know, in the nineties, yep. as opposed to the high eighties. The curveball is probably a little farther along, um, and also, like, I don't, I don't know if you've seen his body, but the kid's like rail thin. Yeah. I mean, so he, that, that's where projection comes from. And, you know, we can all talk about what actually the value of projection is, but that's where the million dollars comes from. The idea <laughs> that he's already sitting a little more comfortably in the, in the nineties rather than the eighties. And he's got so much room to add muscle and strength that the idea is maybe he'll throw 94, 95 in a way that. The guys who are six nine and already filled out, you know, might not you might not be able to dream on. 
feels like such a thin margin there, like two, one or two miles per hour just totally altering the yeah. valuation. Not, not that I'm uh, arguing it. I'm just saying it feels like such a, a fine line there. Yeah, and also it, it has to do also a lot of things with just um, luck. I mean, you know, where you're born, he's from Texas, so obviously guys from Texas are getting a lot more light Texas, on California, them. Florida. Yeah, the warm, the warm weather states. Well, that's the, that was the conversation I was trying to push us towards there. It's like how much of this is meaningful difference and how much of this is just happenstance or, or, or pure luck. Like you got seen by – you pitched in this game where X scout was here and blah, 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 blah. I, I imagine both play a role. Yes, both definitely do. I'd also um, imagine that Wolf uh, was probably at most, if not all, of the major showcases. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even more so than I don't. I don't know if that's true for Jace Beck or Saul Gonzalez. So, um, absolutely fair. But yeah, no. I mean, he he is meaningfully better than the other oh, the other pitchers. But yes, but yeah, there is a lot of that too. You know, just who sees him and when. He looks, uh, he, at least from his mechanics perspective, he looks very relievery to me. Yeah. yeah I think he is very a Woods Richardson to, part two. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. Is yep. I think he's basically the same pitcher as Woods Richardson, just with yep. more projection. Yep. I, I totally agree. Um, which is good. You get, you know, Allen and then uh, a guy with a chance to start. And potential to be a pretty good reliever. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to question that draft pick at all. Like, that's a, still a good pick. Yeah. He's, the, the fact that everything worked out is, makes everything okay about it. <laughs> um, so that is pretty much, though, that, that's the, you know, do, do you guys think there are any other guys in the GCL that you'd you know, want to go over? In terms of guys that have been drafted last year or two, uh, I was digging through everything, and those are really the only names that came to mind. So yeah, I think we have a lot of interesting names from the IFA. Yeah. Um, so did we did we not mention uh, Jalen Palmer in the GCL? No, no. Kingsport. Kingsport. He was in Kingsport. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, we could talk about him if you want. I mean, he's in that same tier of players, but he's not in the GCL, so not worth it. Um, right, he's he's more advanced than these he's couple. Basically, of... I, I think the the Blaine McIntosh from the 2018 draft. Yep, yep exactly. Yep. You know, so he like he's definitely more. Uh, I think there's more power projection there than mm-hmm. with McIntosh. Mm-hmm. So probably like a, a more upside as opposed or as opposed to the floor with McIntosh, but. I mean, for such a weak system, there's a almost surprising number of of somewhat intriguing guys at this level. Like you, you kind of expect it to be a barren wasteland, and it's it's not. Yeah, I mean, don't know if it's just kind of confirmation bias in our part, but yeah, but there's a bunch. Of I, I'd assume most teams. Yeah, yeah. most uh, other teams GCL, have this kind GSL of. would be similar, you know. Yeah. Every team has a J spec. Yep. I mean, the Mets have like three of them. <laughs> Fair. Hopefully they all pan out. That's, hey, I mean, hey, we got problem. three viable fifth starters. That's uh, more than we currently have. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, a bunch, there's a bunch now of guys that are, were, were signed as international free agents of varying amounts at different times that were in the DSL for some period of time over the 2019 season. And some of them made it to the GCL. I think one guy even made it to Kingsport, um, but spent majority of his season, you know, in, in the lower levels. So we'll just run over some of these guys too. Uh, first one, and, and of course, I, I feel like there is a lot less information about these players because of the fact that they are in a kind of playing in a black hole of information in the, in the Dominican Summer League and then the GCL. Uh, it's much harder to get reports on these guys, um, just because of the distance and a lot of times too is language barrier. <laughs> But first guy is uh, Robert Kalina, who is from Venezuela, and um, he was signed on July 2nd, 2017, so a few years ago, and he got an $85,000 signing bonus, and he was a reliever and a starter this year in the DSL and the GCL, put up okay numbers. He had a 3.57 ERA in 41.1 innings allowing 42 hits, walking 13, and striking at 35. And numbers are not that important uh, for the guys down here, because as we were talking about earlier, numbers don't really matter. There's just so much variance. But um, important about Kalina is that he has a fastball. It can touch as high as 94 miles an hour, which is pretty good. And he is 5'11". So, uh, you know, in, in theory, there might be some additional growth in there to maintain in um, that kind of velocity. Um, in addition, throws a, a curveball and a changeup, but that's really the extent of the information that I was able to turn up about him. Yep. But the fact that, you know, 94 miles an hour fastball, always good to see. Next guy is a guy who was going to be who was on our top 25 prospect list last year, will be again. Stanley Consuegra signed at the DR for $500,000 in the 2017 to 2018 IFA class. Um, you know, projectable frame. He has a good um, hit tool right now. He's six for two, 170 pounds, so he'll probably add some muscle and add some additional in-game power. And he's, you know, got okay speed, good arm, just a guy that, you know, there's a, there's a lot to like in many different aspects of his game. Yep. I, I, it's unfortunate he was hurt for so long. Yeah, he uh, had a knee injury this year, and he had surgery that basically kept him out for the entire season. Um I don't think it but was anything did. super major. Like, no, it wasn't like an ACL or anything. It was just, uh. As far as I know, no. So. Just a scope. <clears throat> uh, next up is Josh Corneli. He's a Venezuelan pitcher. Um. Again, not too much information about him. Um, but. Posted good numbers uh, as a swingman. He had a 4.54 ERA in 35 innings with the GCO Mets. 
allowed 43 hits, walked eight, and struck out 40. So 6'2", 175 pounds, so there's room to grow. And he throws a fastball, slider, curveball combination. So just another, you know, name that's out there to kind of might become, you know, might, might blossom into something interesting. Mike got traded for, uh, uh, well, uh, what the hell? Wilmer Font. Wilmer Font, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, you never know. And then turn into a top prospect for the race because, you know. Why not? Uh, next guy is Kennedy Corona. He's a Venezuelan outfielder. He was signed, uh, he's an older signing. He was 19 and he was signed at the end of the 2018 to 2019 signing period. He made his professional debut this year at the DSL Mets and he made it all the way to Brooklyn this year. Um, just a couple of games at the end of the year, but because he's a little bit older, they kind of pushed him faster through the system. But there's some stuff to like. He's a bit undersized. He's five foot eleven, hundred and eighty five pounds, and he might not uh grow or put on, you know, that much more muscle. But he doesn't have a single kind of standout tool, but there's a solid, you know, hit tool, decent amount of hitting for power, he has a decent amount of speed, um he has a pretty good eye for someone with as little experience as him. And because of his speed, the Mets have used him in center. Uh, you know, he's played all three outfield positions, but majority of his time has come in center. So it's always a good sign. But I, I liked him, actually. I saw him. I don't know if it was the game. I don't know if it was in the playoff game that we saw Ken. Uh, I, it was, I saw him in a game that Batty was also playing in. Right. He, I mean, he yeah, was so. only... He only played, I think, he only got into four games and they yeah. were all at the end of the year. I don't think I saw him swing the bat. I think he walked on like four pitches. Yeah, the game, the, the game that I saw, he walked twice, I believe it was, so. There's like some random Corona admin, uh, or, uh, Corona marketing intern who also went to a Brooklyn game was just praying this guy makes it to the majors. <laughs> the promotion writes itself. The commercial writes itself. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it was a good eye. The, the, the eye surprised me, and that's one of the kind of harder things to develop. Mm. And you know, just to see a guy, you know, uh, a kid really, but see someone, you know, his age with that decent of an eye and that little experience, it bodes well, I think. Where do you we'll think they see. start him next year? Uh, gotta be Columbia, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was only literally four games in Brooklyn. Yeah. Also, and he's gonna be a little old for Brooklyn next year, though. You could like twenty, I believe. You could like start him at uh, Columbia, and maybe if he's just really struggling, put him in Brooklyn when their, their yeah. season starts. Yeah, I mean, it depends on how he does in extended spring training, I guess. That's true too. If he responds, then you could send him to Columbia, and what's the worst thing that's gonna happen? If you have to send him down, you have to send him down. Fine. Yeah. 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 I'm generally, I think, more in favor of being a, of aggressive promotion, so I'd like to so send them to Columbia. Screw it. All right, let's take another break here, and when we get back, we'll go over a couple more of um, a couple more of these IFA guys. So we will be right back. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to From Complex Queens. I'm Steve Saipa. I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. <clears throat> and... We're going over our deep dive of interesting names in the Met system. And we went over a bunch of guys that were drafted. And now we're reviewing guys that have signed uh, from Dominican Republic, mostly. Uh, it seems like the Mets really have a strong pipeline there and Venezuela as well. And the next player is Adrian Hernandez, another one that was on our uh, top prospect list last year, will be again this year. Oh, yes. Signed during the 2017 to 2018 international period, signing period, and given a $1.5 million bonus. He was uh, sent stateside this year. He went to the GCL Mets, but he only appeared in four games before he injured his leg and missed the rest of the season after those four games. What a four games they were, though. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah that was yeah. a very fun four games. <laughs> Um, but, you know, the biggest thing about him right now is he's only 5'9", 210 pounds. So don't know how much more physical growth there is there. He might be maxed out. Um, but his game is pro, his game is centered around, you know, strength and he has plenty of that. He's good bat speed, good raw physical strength equals, you know, plus raw power. And his his ability to hit is a little raw. Um, there's a lot of uppercut in his swing. And obviously, you know, he's still working on his ability to recognize spin. But once some of that comes along, you know, you marry that with that power. And that's, you know, a possibly exciting player. And, uh, you know, he's a bit short and stout, but he has good speed. Uh, you know, he kind of has not the quick twitch speed, but that the afterburners and um, should be you know, able to stay in the outfield, um, probably center field for at least the next couple of years since the arm isn't really above average or anything like that. So it might not profile great in right. But, you know, if you could stay in center field for a few more years with that kind of power potential that's an exciting player yeah there's value in being able to fake center you know mm -hmm. and you know especially nowadays where positioning is much more of a thing and you know well not, guys... not in the Mets organization it is. right true true well when we invariably trade him somewhere uh-huh uh-huh that or organization like, uh... Uh, 
damn it. No, I was trying to come up with an analogy to Diaz and Cano, and I got nothing. Trade me. Uh, all right, Ken, it's just you and me, I guess, now. Bye, Lucas. Yep, I've been traded. Which one of you is getting promoted, and which one is getting extended? The true questions. <laughs> we'll have to. We'll have to go yeah, on. Write, write to us with your. Yeah, opinion. send us an email with your uh, promote extend trade for the three hosts of this podcast. The real answer: trade all of us. Yep. Yep. The true. The... Oh God. We like Hernandez. Please stay healthy next year. You and Consuegra, please yeah, stay that'd healthy. Be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, another older player uh, is Brelin Gonzalez. He was signed uh, out of the Dominican Republic uh, during the 2017 to 2018 international free agent period. He's a left-hander. Um, he played for the GCL Mets this year. Posted good numbers. Um, he is a good frame, six foot two, 180 pounds. So there might be an additional. Uh, growth in his body, and that'll kind of be key to his future because the fastball sits in the high 80s, you know, just scrapes 90. So if he get more velocity to that, you know, his role might expand. But if he isn't, um, he's probably going to be limited to just facing left-handers because they did a lot worse against him uh, thanks to his slider, which is like above average right now and could possibly become a plus pitch in the future. Mm-hmm. As he, you know, gets more professional tutelage and such. But another interesting arm down there. Uh, another player uh, is William Lugo. And uh, the Mets used some of the money they got when they, or, sh- or I should say not money, but some of the extra room to spend when they traded uh, Jerry's Familia to the Athletics in 2018, they were able to sign Lugo with that extra kind of budget space. Um, he signed for $475,000. So that's almost half of that million that they were able to uh, use. So he was uh, signed in late August of 2018. So he didn't play at all, and he made his debut this year. He skipped over the DSL completely, and he made his professional debut with the GCL team at the age of 17. Numbers weren't that great, but it's a it's a good profile. He's six foot three, 215 pounds, so thick, muscular from top to bottom, and he has uh, present plus power, raw power, and with some additional, you know, maybe a little bit of growth and really more mechanical refinements. He might be able to translate some of that into in-game power, which is great. And he has a pretty good eye. He's able to recognize spin, and that's, uh, you know, another good uh, skill to have for a player that's as young as he is. And he is primarily a third baseman right now, but, you know, like we said, his body is kind of stout, so if he starts adding bad muscle, he might be able to he might be forced to move to first base if he loses some of that mobility. But he has the profile to, to, to fit at first base with that raw power. If, could if we describe be. him as chonky? Uh, yeah, I could. I, I will allow that. <laughs> um, another guy is David Marcano. He was... 
Uh, I, I don't know if he was literally the youngest player or one of the youngest players in the 2017 to 18 uh, international free agent class that was signed in 2017. But the Mets had to wait until he turned 16 in late August to sign him. So, you know, a lot has been said about all these pre-signing agreements with, you know, literal kids, and this is definitely that in action. Um, but the Mets gave him a $500,000 signing bonus. Obviously, they like um, what they saw in him. And the numbers have not been, you know, that great. But again, the numbers don't matter too much. Um, but this year in the DSL, he had a 307 ERA in 41 innings, allowing 31 hits, walking 23, and striking out 20, uh, 32. Um, but it's it's the profile that prompted the Mets to give him so much money. The fastball, he's a right-hander, so right now, fastball sits in the high 80s to low 90s, tops out about 92 with a lot of life. And he's 6 foot 3, 180 pounds, so again, it is very conceivable that he adds some additional velocity to that. And he has, uh, he complements it with a curveball and changeup, and they're both kind of advanced, um, the curveball especially, it's a 12 to 6 breaker. It's, you know, average ish about right now and could develop into an above average pitch. Whereas the curveball, you know, it's still kind of okay, you know, but he's shown a feel for it. But when you're 17 years old, you know, it's, it's fine if you're not throwing a good changeup. Mm-hmm. And he's comparable to the Jace Becks and the Franklin Paras, you know, just extremely, extremely young. Another guy is Federico Polanco, and he is actually the cousin of Ronnie Mauricio. So it's always good to, you know, Mauricio is developed well, so you always hope then that Polanco can follow in that same path. But he signed for a $325,000 bonus, and um, he made his DSL debut in 2018. He repeated it in... This season, 2019, and then he was sent uh, stateside about mid-year. Numbers were not that great, um, but it's the profile. There's a lot of 10 plusing potential in there. He's six foot one, 160 pounds, so you hope on a lot of growth. And he kind of has he has good bat speed, uh, makes good contact, is good hit tool. Um, not a lot of power, obviously, because he's kind of on the small side, but. You know, like you were saying, if he if he grows, adds some more muscle, some of the doubles and line drives that he hits become homers. And he has a, a pretty good approach, you know, with um in, in terms of his plan at the plate and recognizing pitches and things of that nature. So it's a good foundation, and you just kind of want to hope on that additional physical growth there. Mm-hmm. And then he's, um, defensively, he kind of has a mishmash of experience, second base, third base, shortstop, that he's really best at second base because his arm is not great. Uh, yeah, the arm is not great. Not the physical tool shed his cousin is. No, definitely not. Um, one physical tool shed, though, is Alexander Ramirez, who is the Mets' big signing 
during this year's uh, IFA class, 2019 to 2020 class. Very athletic, six foot three, 170 pounds. So again, you're going to be betting on additional growth and muscle, uh, putting on muscle. But it's a good eye at the plate, an advanced understanding of the strike zone. He flashes, you know, decent power. And then the physical build suggests that, you know, he should be able to add more to it. And he has, um, you know, the body and, and the skill set to play center for, you know, years to come because he has a lot of speed. He projects as, you know, an above average runner. He has plenty of range. And, you know, with more time and professional coaching, he'll take better routes and, and see the ball off the bat better in the outfield. And hopefully he sticks at center. And a guy yeah, with that kind of, you yeah. know, hit tool and, and power and everything in center is an exciting prospect. There's a lot of ways this can go. We basically know nothing about him yet. No, I mean, he has not. He has yet to play a professional game. Yep. So the range of outcomes is literally like Francisco Alvarez and then... You know, Kenny Hearn. Every, every DSL signing you've ever forgotten about. <laughs> but he he has a Beltrani feel, which is yeah. You know, the fun. videos I've seen, I, I like the swing a little bit. Reminds mm-hmm. me a bit of Mauricio, uh, just yep. whippy. It's what you want to see in uh, your your top IFA prospect. Um, another dude is Eduardo Salazar. He was signed out of Venezuela, uh, in 2017. The Mets signed him to a $125,000 bonus. This season, he played in the GCL, uh, for a couple of games, and then he lost the rest of the season to injury. And in the games that he did play, not the best numbers, but he has a good hit tool, he's a loose swing, and he's shown the ability to make some contact. And once he starts using his lower half better because his swing is all, you know, upper half, he should start hitting for a little bit more power. And then he's 6'3", 180 pounds. So if he adds, again, if he adds a little bit of weight and muscle, that should also help with the power as well. Mm-hmm. And he's an outfielder by trade. Um, he's more professional experience right now in center, but he profiles better in a corner, particularly left, because he doesn't have super, super duper range for center. And his arm is just kind of average, so not the best in right. Um, another intriguing guy, more so, I guess, because of his uh, origins, whatever, is Warren Saunders. And he was signed last year out of Bahamas, and he's the second Bahamian player that the Mets have had. Uh, Champ Stewart, who we mentioned earlier, was the first. And he made his professional debut this year. He was uh, playing the GCL Mets. He hit pretty good numbers. He hit 323, 397, 386. But the problem is because of his um, where he's from, he's a bit on the older side. He was 20. So um you balance that out, though, with the fact that he doesn't have as much experience as a player who is 20. You know, he's maybe more closer to a 16- or 17-year-old, uh, baseball-wise. But he's extremely athletic, uh, 6'3", 190 pounds, a very athletic frame. His swing, I like. Um, it, it, it's 
built for power. Uh, it's a smooth left-handed swing with loft. And, uh, you know, just like he's raw at the plate, although he is raw in the field, the Mets are kind of basically testing him everywhere over the course of the season. And he spent the majority of his time uh, this, this past year playing at third and at first. So absolutely worthwhile. I like uh I feel like a lot of teams are, are very risk averse in terms of, of moving guys around in the low minors in terms of positions and it seems like it's oftentimes worthwhile to at least like see if they could stick somewhere. So Yeah, I mean with a guy like you know, he he's there is such little you know, baseball experience in him that this is a signing that is basically like, hey, he he hit okay in the Bahamas in, you know, their uh, junior league, and he's super athletic. So let's just flip, give it know, a go. Give it a go, exactly. Uh, another guy is uh, Johander Suarez. He was born in Venezuela. He was signed in 2018. And he's right-handed pitcher. The fastball sits about 87 or so, you know, in the high 80s. But he's 6'3", 180 pounds. So hopefully there will be some additional velocity coming as he adds muscle. And then he supplements that with a curveball and a changeup that he's able to command. So it's good to see the ability to, uh, you know, hit the spots and everything for somebody that low in the system. Mm-hmm. Another exciting name now is Freddy Valdez, who was one of the top rookies available during the 2018 to 2019 uh, international free agent class last year. And the Mets signed him, you know, 16 year old out of the Dominican for $1.45 million. And he made his professional debut this year. He spent the majority of the year in the DSL, but he got a cup of coffee late in the season with the JCL Mets. And, you know, he hit, he hit well, uh, actually extremely well, really. In yeah, 57 games in DSL, he had five homers and stole six bases. And then the GCL, he went four for 10 with a double and a home run <laughs> and then three walks and three strikeouts. So yeah, the, uh, the but, plate, the, the plate discipline stuff is, is I believe what quote unquote stabilizes the fastest and I think is the most interesting for a guy this young. So that's I mean the the sample size is the sample good. size is still weak. <laughs> of course. Nothing, but the fact that but he yeah. walks at all is like because a lot of these guys come a lot of these Dominican prospects come out just hacking. Right. Quote so. unquote you can't walk off the island. Right, right. So yep. I think that's but, encouraging. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see what Valdez looks like this year. Um, yeah, he is. I, I like the power a lot. I like, right. like we've talked about the plate discipline. Um, you know, basically all of my caveats with him are regarding, you know, scouting DSL stat lines since yep. we obviously have nothing really to go on in terms of real looks. So. Yeah, plenty of power. 6'3, 210, yep. lots of strength, lots of power. I forget uh, where he landed on our top 25. I, I don't. He's in there. He's I there. Don't he is there. He is there. I don't remember off the top of my head either, but he is there. And it's, exci- it's an exciting uh, profile. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is indeed there. Can mm-hmm. confirm. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, one guy that is not there is Giordani Ventura. He was assigned uh, the Dominican Republic in 2018. He's a right-handed pitcher. He's a kind of lanky, six foot, 160 pounds. So he probably is still growing. And the fastball sits about 90 with some arm side run. So if you can add some mass and strength to increase that fastball velocity, it's an interesting fastball that he's got. And then he throws a curveball that's pretty advanced and polished for someone with his uh, age and experience level. He's he's 18 years old, so always good to see. And uh, our last guy here, and an interesting story. I mean, it's an interesting player profile, but an interesting story also is Fernando Villalobos. Now, a little bit of a backstory here. In July 2017, when the 2017 uh, to 18 IFA period opened up, the Cubs signed a Mexican right-handed pitcher, Florencio Serrano. And that year, the Cubs had penalties for signing IFA players. Because of some shady accounting practices between the Cubs and Mexico's um, Mexican League of Baseball, the Cubs are able to circumvent the cap on spending that they were subjected to by MLB. An MLB so, team did something unethical? Mm-hmm. Uh, Believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And that basically got exposed, and it set in motion a chain of events that saw his contract nullified. And it put a freeze on MLB ball clubs signing any players that were involved with MLB, uh, you know, Liga Mexicana Baseball um, players. So Fernando Villalobos was one of the many guys that kind of got caught in limbo because of that. Um, He was expected to sign at the Brewers that year, but he was unable to sign with them uh, before the freeze was put in place. And he was just kind of left in the wind because, you know, the the Brewers were unable to sign him. So finally, uh, this past March, the commissioner lifted the ban on signing players affiliated with the Mexican League. And the Mets were able to sign him using some of the extra space that they were, they acquired from the Orioles when they sent Keon Broxton there in May. Uh, the Mets signed him for $450,000, so the majority of that $500,000. He was assigned to the DSL team this year. Um, you know, didn't hit that great, but numbers don't really matter. He's a catcher. Um, he has a simple left-handed swing that's really suited for hitting for average right now. He's actually a decent runner for a catcher, which is which is kind of it's always fun to see decent running catchers, but it's just kind of fringe average right now, and you know it'll probably get worse as he gets older because he's 17 years old, and if you're not that great of a runner now, you're probably not going to get better in the future unless you go to Barwis. So who knows? Senator Barwis. Yeah, he's um, you know equally raw behind the plate, but again, nothing unusual for a young catcher. Um, he's pretty mobile, but he needs to work on, you know, just catching and framing. And, um, you know, the arm is only average, but it's augmented by his pop times. They're 
usually slightly average to above average. So it's good to see, you know, that he's able to compensate for that. But then again, at the same time, as he gets a little bit older, he's kind of, you know, he he might put on some bad muscle. Catchers kind of do that a lot. But catchers are weird, so who knows. But he's a guy that goes, kind of gets forgotten about, I think. And he's a pretty interesting signing. Yeah, yeah, I I, I got to admit, I wasn't even that. Uh, I didn't know the full story on him coming into this. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't. I knew nothing about the whole Mexican League banning thing. I just know that he was a kind of a name that was still left unsigned when the Mets were able to pick him up, and I was just like, okay, interesting. I feel enough. better about it knowing that there's a story there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just well goes to show that a lot of uh, that that these young kids are always the casualties when rich people are screwing around. Yep. I'm trying to remember the last time the Mets had a notable signing from the Mexican leagues. I'm not I'm not remembering anything really. Uh Juan Uriarte is from there. Mm. Another catcher. Uh, I know Oliver Perez is Mexican. I don't think, obviously, he wasn't signed or anything by the Mets, and it was already a major leaguer when he came to the Mets. Yep. And we don't really want to remember his time on the Mets. No, we don't. Um, yeah, I am not really sure. But, I mean, I mentioned earlier, a lot of these guys, it, the pipeline is, seems to be strongest in the Dominican Republic and uh, Venezuela right now with the Mets. Which makes sense given how much money they've poured into the uh, Dominican complex. And mm-hmm. one point, one, it's shocking the, that when you invest in an, in a uh, talent avenue, you actually are able to add talent. If only they could learn from that lesson and apply it elsewhere on the roster. Go for no, it. no learning occurs here, Lucas. It's it's the Mets, you know. Yeah, huh. I'm learning. <laughs> Anyone have any last words for the week? Ah. I no. guess not. Yeah. <laughs> I rarely right. do. <laughs> well, if anyone has any questions, comments, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. And you could follow us individually on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at lvlahos343. And Ken is at ken1191. You could subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, and rate and review it. And thank you, everybody, for listening, of course. And we will be back next week. We'll do some Rule 5 draft preview. Um, hopefully, the Mets shed some of the kind of dead weight on the 40-man because Rule 5 is always exciting. You never know what you might get, and there are the occasional gems. Bring me Brett Cumberland. <laughs> so um, until next week uh, love the Mets love the Mets